recorded live from the radio studios of WFAY and WMRV. Andrew Lonas Media presents Cumberland County's Smartest Hour of Talk Radio. Welcome back to another edition of The Carolina Cabinet. Well, hey, 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 and good morning. Welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. My name is Nat Robertson, and I will be your host as we discuss the news and the newsmakers. We're going to play a little bit of music, and we're going to talk, too, and we're going to talk about some of the movers and shakers around Fayetteville, Cumberland County, and the state of North Carolina. Our mission is to bring to the airwaves a common-sense voice on the right side of the issues. Today in the Cabinet, we've got Pastor Joshua Goodman. Well, greetings and salutations, fam. Um, How are you, sir? Doing well, sir. Life's good? Your life is real good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You found one. I I found one. There you go. (laughs) Mr. Jimmy Henley, Jr. Welcome back, Jimmy. Good day, everyone. Yeah. There we go. Everybody's got their music. Yeah, bring, brings his entourage with Enjoy to go today is a very special guest in the studio is uh, North Carolina House of Representatives Representative Billy Richardson, uh, Fayetteville native, and uh, we're going to dig into some of the local politics and what's been going on. Look, please check us out. Message us, like us, follow us, and share us on your favorite social media outlet. We are at the Carolina Cabinet. And if you miss an episode of the Carolina <laughs> Cabinet, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast broadcaster. We appreciate you tuning in and spending the next 60 minutes with us. We'll be right back. Carolina Cabinet presents Money Matters with Eric Nobles, a weekly update of what you need to know to make your money grow. Mr. Nobles is a Fayetteville native and partner in Nobles Pound Financial Planning, a regional planning and wealth management firm in Fayetteville, North Carolina, since 1991. Now, here's Eric Nobles. Payments equal pressure. Sometimes we need or want things and we decide to pay for them over time using financing. I get that folks want stuff. However, I would be very careful about financing wants over time. I want a jet ski. Do I need a jet ski? If I buy one and finance it over three or four years, how will that decision look when the economy slips into a recession? Maybe something unexpected happens to me or even a loved one, and now money is tight. That jet ski payment is due every month, whether I have money for it or not. Payments equal pressure. Every payment you have is a draw on your future work. Don't sell your time lightly. Keep your payments low, and when life throws you a curveball, you will be ready. The financial jargon word of the day is financing. The act of borrowing money to buy something now and paying it back plus interest over time. Be careful when financing your wants because payments equal pressure. I am Eric Nobles and that's why your money matters.
This is your announcer. Don't mess with my Second Amendment rights. And don't mess with the Carolina Cat. Oh, wow. Really? The smartest 90 minutes of morning <laughs> Who talk. Who played that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. My name is Nat Robertson. We are in... On. on we're at the carolina cabinet yeah, with, with pastor go. josh goodman <laughs> and mr jimmy henley jr yes, and uh, in the studio with us we have a very special guest that's going to kind of wrap up the wild week that we've had uh north carolina house representative billy richardson billy welcome yeah, it's good to be here. Y'all are a bunch of characters. I'll yeah. tell you, I, I feel right at home. Oh, yeah. You got that right. Hey, we are definitely a bunch I, of characters. Out of fairness to the audience, and I think we started this tradition a while back. If we have one of those people in the Carolina cabinet, we have to ring the bell to let them know, oh. right? Absolutely. We have a Democrat in the Carolina cabinet. He is a good friend, but he is a Democrat. So we got to warn the audience. If you're going to turn the channel, do it now. But and I, you know, in thir- you, might, you 13- might be surprised at what comes out of this Democrat's mouth. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say when I talked about you, um, Billy and I talk politics all the time. We've been friends for over 30 years, and we have an office literally separated by sheetrock. And Billy and I talk politics a lot, and he knows mine. I know his, but. I'm going to tell you, he, he's a registered Democrat for life, but I really think somebody mischecked the, the block. He's pretty conservative. <laughs> he, he's more middle than, than you're going to expect if you don't know Billy already. I mean, you may, may if you don't know him, you may assume as a Democrat politician. Tell us about Billy. But Billy is, is more middle than, than you would think for a Democrat politician, and I think he probably thinks I'm more toward the middle for a Republican. <laughs> Um, we agree on a lot of things. We disagree on a lot of things. The blessings of it is, is when we're done, we're smiling, shaking hands, and going to lunch. Mm-hmm. Right, Billy? And, and that's critical. I mean, we have lost that in this country, and we need to get so it true. back. Well, and I, you yeah, know. yeah, Jimmy, you're, you're, people don't understand. Yeah, you're a, you're a Republican. I'm a Democrat, and we have strong beliefs politically. But at the end of the day, we are not the enemy to each other. The enemy's right, over right. there in Korea. The enemy's over there in the Middle East. We are not. Yeah. At odds with each other. Yep. We're a, we should be a united country first and foremost. And what Kennedy said so long ago is true. Ask not what the country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I think one thing that, that, that for you is that you, I mean, like you're saying, you and I and, and others like us have a common goal. It's not my advancement. It's not your advancement. It's a community. Absolutely. And that may have been what, you know, we just mentioned you're currently our House member in uh, 44 um, you decided not to run again, um, but one of the things here at the end of this term of a long, I think, very shining political career may not have been your party in Raleigh, and you may have had some disagreements along the way because you thought more of your community and your voters than somebody else's agenda. If I'm wrong, please do correct me. And, Jimmy, Billy protected this community. Look, I had the the great opportunity to work with him as mayor with him being in the House right. and was very supportive. Parties didn't matter. It's about getting it done and advancing the community. But that's your, to your credit, Mayor. You, um, you know, I was appointed to take Rick's place that when you were mayor. And I'll distinctly remember, and I'm forever grateful for this, for you and Governor Croy, because Governor Croy didn't have to include me on all the hurricane recovery. But he made it a point. Yeah, he had Jim R. there, of course, and he should. He's pushed, he voted for him, or not voted for him, but he supported him and pushed. But he invited me. He allowed me to participate. Right. And we formed a great working relationship. 
Um, and and that's way and you and I work well during that recovery. Absolutely. I mean, that's the way it's got to be. This the, we have gotten way too far polarized on issues that we shouldn't. You know, you mentioned the Second Amendment in your your start. That's the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. Our founders put that in our Constitution. As a Democrat, I like to ignore the Second Amendment, and as a Republican, you like to ignore Amendments One, Three, Five. <laughs> but, but, but the point is this: the point is this, and it's real simple. That all are Bill of Rights, and that means that we have to—they're the law of this land, and we need to support the law of this land. And that, and it clearly says a person's right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Mm-hmm. I mean. I don't see how you can interpret the and Constitution. It should not be a party issue. Right? No, it should yeah, be a yeah. United States citizen issue. And the presumption of innocence, the right to jury trials, those things are sacrosanct in, in the eyes of our founders. And it's what made this country great. And, and I think all of us should be libertarian when it comes to those Bill of Rights. Absolutely. Well, looking at our recent primary results, I do want to ask you obviously. Um, giving up your seat as you're doing and stepping back. What do you think about your replacement? I'm very – well, I, and I guess he is the presumptive replacement, isn't he? I, I believe I, so, I, yeah. No Republican Charles opposition. is a outstanding young man. I, nice I, guy. I have to tell you that I, my wife gets full gets partial credit for his rearing. She, uh, he practically lived over our home. His – my youngest son, Zach, and Charles played basketball together from the sixth grade all the way through mm-hmm. high school. And, you know, I watched the young man grow up. I watched him make mistakes. I watched him excel. And I watched his character develop. And the most important thing in a politician, believe it or not, folks, the most important thing in a politician is character yeah. and competence. And he's, in a, he's number one in his class. He was brilliant in, uh, in high school and in college. He made great grades. But Charles has character, and that character will will when the chips are down, that will be the thing that separates him and makes him excel is his character. He has got tremendously good character. And knowing you, I bet you're pretty happy to pass on that baton to a young man who's starting out his political career like you once were, because you started a long started, time yeah, ago. Th- yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. First off, let me tell your listeners who are our citizens and who. Uh, decided to see fit to send me to Raleigh. First, I want to tell them that they gave me the privilege and opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm forever grateful to our our citizens for entrusting me with that. I, they've sent you there multiple times. I know, but yeah. I, they need to understand that that was not didn't go unnoticed by me, and I'm extremely grateful to them. And I hope that each day I was there that I tried to emulate and to put forth their qualities because the people of this community are just wonderful people. And I, I hope that, that I that I represented the the character and heart and spirit of a true uh, citizen of Cumberland County because the people in this community deserve nothing less than that. They are they are just tremendously good folks. And folks I wanna tell you how grateful I am and, and that you all saw fit to, to send me to Raleigh, and thank you so much for that opportunity. Well, you did a great job for us. You really yeah. did. You really did. I really didn't want to stop, but um, my family, you know, insisted it was time. And there, right. you know, there, yeah, my wife is a brilliant woman, and uh, she's the boss lady. Yeah, she's. The, she, well, it's not more than that. She's just. A, she's a Proverbs thirty yeah. preacher. You yeah. know this. Yeah. She's a Proverbs, Proverbs thirty one yeah. lady, and. Uh, 
you know, her virtue is her clothing. And, uh, yeah. How, how, long been, how long have you been married? Been married 43 years. Oh, I love it. And we dated seven before yeah. that. We got married. It'll be 42 in, in, in uh, 44 in uh, in August. We got wow. we dated. I met when she was 50. We met when she was 15. I was 16. Uh-huh. And I, I'll never forget the day she walked off or, or came on, opened the door and came onto her porch. And I saw this incredible smile and uh-huh. beautiful. And to me, <laughs> she's still that. Love yeah. it for the forever time. Now, it took her a couple of years. <laughs> we, I've heard that story a few times. And it, you know, he, he always gets kind of choked up a little yeah, bit when yeah. he tells it. And I almost see him visualizing it like it's happening yeah, right, right now, now yeah. you know yeah yeah, yeah. It, I, I, in I, the studio the cabinet is, is honored to welcome uh north carolina house representative billy richardson uh thank you so much for joining us i don't mean to cut you off no, but for fine. those that are just tuning in um you've talked about your kids well, we talked about one of your children yeah zach you know, yeah because he knows charles yeah, yeah. and what i should say uh, presumptive representative smith <laughs> right absolutely um who will be replacing uh not a replacement who will be taking the seat uh from billy in it's the january people's seat it's yeah. the uh, we never we should never forget and god bless america for this it's the people's seat right you know i just happen to be blessed with the privilege of being the representative of that seat but it's always first and foremost the people see from when you started billy how long have you served us in in the capacity of a, a representative i've done it six and a half terms but i did two terms in the 90s i did it um i was blessed when, like charles and when i was 32 i got elected to the general assembly uh again uh, ran against bill hurley mayor hurley and don beard who was speaker pro tem wow. and alex warner and wow. uh, that was a uh, donnybrook we had a it was when there was three seats and then representative warner got a district out in in stedman and hope mills and so it became a two-seat race and um as it turned out i called representative mayor hurley my big brother because after the election he took me under his wing and mentored me and worked with me and we became great friends after that election and it was a tough election but that's the kind of man he was he 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 put Fable first, and he yeah. saw that I was going to be there, and I was young, and so he invested in me. And, and later in life, we looked at each other as brothers. Right. Um, great man, just a great, great man. And I, I wish I was half the man he is. Well, these, are the so politi- much. these are the political stories we don't get to hear enough yes. of across the country these days, especially, unfortunately. But I served two terms in the 90s a Democratic Speaker Dan Blue, who was outstanding, great speaker. And then Brubaker, the 94, uh, the contract, I call it the contract on America, but it, the, the contract with America, which was brilliant political strategy, by the way. Um, and, to, and to President Clinton's credit, when he saw that happen, he reversed himself and, and helped balance the budget with Newt Gingrich. And yeah, and that was with right. U- U.S. Speaker Newt Gingrich. Right, and then we had a speaker named Harold Brubaker. I ended up standing on my desk because he wouldn't recognize me at one time. And I kind of got notorious for that. But, <laughs> I think but, that was reported in a media yeah, outlet. But let or me, two but let me emphasize this: what an outstanding speaker he was, and the Republican agenda that that contract. He saw to it that every item on that list got an up and down vote, mm-hmm. and he was a great speaker. So 
that taught me that you can be a great speaker as a Democrat and you can be a great speaker as a Republican. You may have a different agenda. But you see, what, what you do is you pivot. Like with, with Speaker Brubaker, I knew they wanted to cut taxes, so I put a bill in to eliminate the tax on food because mm-hmm. that helps working people and poor right. people. Absolutely. And he called me in his office and he goes, you saw a rascal? I can't oppose it because it's a tax cut. <laughs> well played. Yeah. So, but, but, but back then, we taught each other more and we worked together more. Then I, then I took up – I didn't want to be an absentee father. And I have three incredible children. And another young man that showed up at our doorstep that you know, my wife basically took in from the ninth grade on. But I didn't want to be an absentee father, yeah. and I couldn't. I could be a really good lawyer and a really good legislator, but I couldn't be a really good lawyer, really good legislator, really good father. And I couldn't. I'm a poor. At the time, I was not wealthy, so I couldn't give up my day job. All right. So, because you only get paid thirteen thousand dollars a yeah. year in legislature, and that hasn't gone up much, has it? No, no. In fact, I was the last time it was raised. It was uh, I got campaigned on by Wesley. This uh, because twenty years ago I raised it. I put a bill in to raise it from twelve thousand to thirteen thousand five hundred. He voted to raise, raise his, his own pay. Yeah. But anyway, somebody's so, got to do it, though, right? Yeah, I guess. So I, I walked away from it in the in the nineties and missed it terribly. Um, and I never thought I'd go back. My wife thought I would, but I just never thought I would go back. Um, and then I ran against Meredith, you know, Senator Meredith at the time, because I felt very strongly about you know, one or two issues. And he he prevailed in that race. It was a good race, but he prevailed in it. But then Rick decided to step down, and, and the party nominated me to take Rick's final term and then won three other elections after that. Yeah, and you know, and you and I were around each other quite a bit during that time, so I got to see the hard work going on behind yeah. the scenes and and all that stuff. So, I mean, for a non politician like me, I I had an appreciation for the work. The work's incredible. If you, the reason I have so much respect for, uh, I, I'll give you a Democrat and a Republican. I I love John Sokol, and I, I people know that. Even I respect Mayor Robertson because here's what they have in common. They work their hearts out, and it's not about them. John doesn't work as a representative for John. John deeply cares about this community and about the state, and he's a man of principle. I love him and respect him for that. Kurt DeVere, I've never seen anybody work as hard as that man worked in the General Assembly. He was tireless. He just did anything you ask him to do. He was at every meeting. He was at every function. He was at every. He, he got to know every legislator intimately, and just did an outstanding job. And it's a tragedy that we're going to lose him because he is without. A, we're losing John too. Without, I hope he gets it. I'm endorsing him whether he likes it or not. I hope John Sutton <laughs> wins county commission because of his character. Right. And I and, and I hope Kurt will come back and run again. Because of his character and work ethic. They are both well, well, very hard workers. You opening the door to that, we got to kind of touch on that. And sure. Again, you can avoid any part of this, but talking about uh, – Did Jimmy, when have you ever known me to avoid anything? <laughs> I know that. That's why I went ahead. I said that so if Barbara listens, she don't get mad at me for asking the question. Um, but, you know, obviously you're a supporter and friend of Kirk's, and he, he just lost in the primary to Val Applewhite. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of – 
uh, Miss Applewhite's either. Okay, so you're not going to hold back again. Character. <laughs> so the our our current governor, Roy Cooper, got his nose in the middle of that of our race down here, our, our little thing going on down here in Cumberland. As somebody who's been a politician a long time, what are your thoughts and feelings about the governor getting in the middle of that and meddling with our race here? Well, politics is politics, and he played hardball politics. I can't fault him on that. That's that's his right. That's his prerogative. What I can say is this. I think his his anger and his being upset with with the process was misdirected on Kurt. Kurt voted for the same budget that the governor signed. Mm-hmm. Now, if the go, if the budget was so bad, why did he sign it? He could have not signed it and it become law, or he could have vetoed it. But he signed that budget, which means he endorsed that budget. That was the budget Kurt voted for. Kurt towed the line as a Democrat 95% of the time. The only time he didn't was to make certain that this community got more than its fair share in Raleigh, which was essential because we have never gotten our fair share in Raleigh. And how do you fault a man, a representative, man or woman, that is fighting for their their constituents in their community. That's our first job is to go up there and right. look after the people of Cumberland County. Yeah. Uh, so I would have, if the governor would have asked me and he didn't, I would have encouraged him to sit on the sidelines. I would have said, look at your own conduct as by signing the budget. And I would have said, look at what he did for the people of this community because a half billion dollars is nothing to laugh at. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, I mean. yeah. So in the studio with us is North Carolina House of Representative, Mr. Billy Richardson, uh, Pastor Joshua Goodman, and Mr. Jimmy Henley Jr. So uh, we're going to talk about the uh, election results and the turnout and all types of stuff coming up next. The Smartest Hour of Talk Radio will return after these important messages from our commercial sponsors. <laughs>
Since 2012, Joshua Goodman has been the senior pastor at the Cliffdale Christian Center, a dynamic church and ministry located in West Fayetteville. Join our friend Pastor Goodman for a podcast or a live sermon in person at 6427 Cliffdale Road. Now for today's good news. Here is Joshua Goodman. Well, good morning from the All-American City. This is Pastor Josh, and have I got some good news for you. In a time when so many want to unpack, they want to talk about, they want to discuss the problems, circumstances, situations, all of the negative, I'm here to give you some good news. Well, friends, let me tell you, the heat is on. Spent the last couple of days down at the beach, had the opportunity to do some surf fishing, got my poles, got my bait out, got my chair, set everything up, and then I didn't even get a bite. The good news is I was able to buy five snapper fillets on my way home and able to fry those up for dinner. You see, because the point is not always whether you get the poles out, the bait out, the chair out, and then you don't get one single bite. It's a matter of perspective. Some people walk away from that beach trip kicking the sand because they didn't get that bite. Me sitting out with my toes in the sand, my face in the breeze, the warm sun on my skin, let me tell you, friends, I absolutely love it. Don't get me wrong. I love catching fish. But even when they're not biting, I think the point might be more so that you get out there and you do some fishing. Listen, this is Pastor Josh, and that is your good news. Start your week off right. Thanks for joining Eastern North Carolina's smartest morning talk show. Uh-huh. Smart. The Carolina yeah. Cabinet continues with your smart host, <laughs> former Mayor <laughs> Nat Robertson. Can we get all my high school teachers and tell them about this? <laughs> well, that, that, and that smart's important because it's not just people need to vote. They need to vote intelligently. Yep. They need to know what's going on with their government. Yep. Right. Our turn, and this turnout, this last turnout. How in the world can we in America, with the, with the issues we are facing, 16% turnout? is ridiculous. It's, it's pathetic. And, it, yeah. and it's, 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 it's tragic because it, that apathy is what is killing this country mm-hmm. right now. And we have got to come together as a people, and we've got to accept responsibility for our own self-destination. And we got to start loving each other and working together. Yeah. And how hypocritical is it, you know, to criticize, uh, crit- criticize, criticize on every social media outlet, on Twitter, your, your Facebook rants, and then, and, don't vote. And then you don't vote. It's well, if like, that was the turnout percentage for some of these protests, there wouldn't be any problems. <laughs> right. That's, right. That's no, it. you're Just exactly saying. right. True. Yep. yep. But no, really, it's, it's, it, as an American, we all ought to be ashamed of this. Oh, yeah. And we need to work on it. Yeah. Billy, let me ask you a question. 
because you are the only one in this room that would know it. Whatever happened to, what was it, Moral Mondays? Do you remember those protests? <laughs> That's right. Whatever happened to those once Roy Cooper came into office? They kind of just went by the wayside. So uh, the, the issues, no, the issues no longer are, a demand for morality? The issues are still there. Um, but the, we, the, the folks have redirected their efforts, I guess. I, I, to be honest with you, um, I don't know where it went. It oh. just kind of died by the wayside. Right. But I think also the Republican Party is evolving. Um, and I got to see that firsthand. They were so intent on governing because they hadn't governed in 100 years mm-hmm. that they just went hog wild when they got to power. I agree. I agree. What you're seeing now is an evolution of that party, and they're actually moderating, um, and they're inviting others to, to help participate in the process that they before didn't invite it to the dance. And I think that's significant, and I hope and I hope that incur I hope that continues, because by all forecasts, it sure looks like they're uh, in North Carolina. We're going to lose the uh, veto power. Of the, the Republicans are going to have a, a veto-proof majority if we don't. If we Democrats don't get on our game, yeah, be and careful we are saying not on we on this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'll, I'll speak for just the the lone Democrat. In the room. We are not on our game. We right. are not appealing to the hardworking, middle of the road, you know, good Americans that 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 we need to direct our attention to people that are barely eking out a living. They're working their hearts out. They're working their souls out. The Republicans are talk, talking to them more than we are right now, if we're honest with ourselves. But j- just like on the, the national platform, on a statewide platform, or is the left a little too far left? Is that who's driving the bus, Billy? Yes. Yeah. yeah without question. So and, moderates and like yourself and myself are just really can't get time in the picture. John Wooden had a great quote, and it took me a long time to understand it, but it's so true. You shouldn't do for a human being what they can and should do for themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, where I fault you guys is that there are times when a person needs a helping hand, and we need to be there for them Absolutely. during that. There are times when we, in the most, the silver bullet to the solution to all, so much of our troubles is education, and we are just Absolutely. not investing in our children as much as we should. Right. And that and that's not a Republican fault or it's a Democrat fault too because look rather than putting the money in the classroom where it should go, we want to put it in, in stuff that, that that doesn't affect learning and say it does. And I, I this is not <laughs> my intention to start debating education no, right fine. now, but we are funding education at a higher level than we've ever funded education before, and not when you adjust it for inflation. Well, uh, all right. so that argument's valid for the past three months or six months, okay? It's valid for the last 20 years. All right, but but we're losing students in the public school system. So that same amount of funding is actually funding fewer and fewer students, uh, or the increased funding is funding fewer students. How do we justify that? Because we're not, again, the Republicans won't put enough money in education. The Democrats put it in the wrong places. We should be putting that money in one place and one place only, classroom. Mm-hmm. We should pay teachers 100000 or more a year so we attract the best and brightest in education. And expect professionals. Exactly. Yep. And, we should, and we should have a principal in there that can have the authority and the power to make certain 
that the teachers do their job. Right. We should have mentoring programs, sabbaticals. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you we'll this, agree Billy. with that. Absolutely. We were, we were sold a bill of goods on this lottery thing. Okay, this lottery thing was going that. to yeah. fund our education. It was going to do all these wonderful things. Let's do it. Let's go buy the tickets. And believe me, I've been to convenience stores, waited forever to pay for a soda <laughs> um, while I'm watching people try to become, let's scratch become a millionaire. Off. Well, I'm, I'm guilty of that now. My wife and I love the scratch-offs. <laughs> well, <laughs> well we why them. is it that we still still every year hear, hear about how we are underfunding our educational system but we brought in this this life-saving thing because here. that money's going to other things and why but it's not supposed to though. well i'm to. just telling you it, uh, those of us that were opposed to the lottery in the 90s dan blue was very much opposed to it for two reasons he thought it would be disproportionate tax on the poor but more importantly he thought it'd be an excuse not to do the responsible thing with the regular taxation and fund education it was supposed to supplement the funding, not be a different source of funding. Right. And that's what's happened. Is well, it sounds like there's a mismanagement of the funds. Horrible mismanagement. Even more than there is an underfunding. It's no, just a it's mismanagement both. of the it's funding both. you it's both. it's both. Especially in the poor counties, it's both. The, well, the, the Leandro case is dead right. The poor counties, we're not funding education. Right. But what we need to do is we need to put the money in teachers. Yeah. This is not rocket science. <laughs> right. Look at your life. I guarantee you, you can look back and point to four or five teachers that had a profound impact on your life. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can. We were spoiled growing up. I went, I went to school in an age where women could only be teachers or nurses. My, my aunt was number one in her class at Duke University, and she became a nurse because she wasn't allowed to become a doctor. Those those women now are leaders. They're CEOs of major corporations. They're, right. they're attorneys. They're doctors. We don't have that locked-in, wonderful uh, teacher market we used to have. We've got to be competitive with wages on a professional level, and we're not. Why do we have an assistant superintendent to the assistant superintendent to the assistant superintendent to the assistant superintendent? A lot of chiefs, not it, enough it, Indians. It's mm-hmm. absurd. It's it, absurd. What, what, what is your opinion on paying teachers for performance? I'm all for it. Yeah. yeah. I'm all for it. I mean, let's pay pay him a base salary, but reward excellence. Absolutely, Absolutely reward it. But we need a base salary for teachers ought to be, you know, starting out not six figures, but after ten years' experience, they should be in six figures. Absolutely ought to be. But ask yourself, what are the three most important jobs in the in the, in the country? The ministry, physician, and a teacher. And a teacher. I think you left out first responders. <laughs> Well, and, 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 and we if don't, you had and, the others, and, and you wouldn't need the first responders. We don't pay, and we don't pay them enough either. Or we could no, defund them and send counselors out to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, but Jimmy, you do both. So yeah, how 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 broken is the system, though? I mean, uh, we see all this money coming in through the lottery. You know, mismanagement. You know, maybe money not going where it needs to go. We've seen the breakdown of public education over the past two years. Tremendous, you know, the the difficulties that our teachers had to face, having to do virtual things, you know, Mm -hmm. all of this. Um, We have a private school at our church. Uh, We were able to, 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 to... maneuver through things well, easily. That's, that's the future. I mean, I, let's be honest here. That's, I, well, I, 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 is I the think, system broken? I think, I, think, I think public education, as we know it, is dead. Yeah. Well, we that's sad because there's so many out there who cannot afford or do not have the access to these private schools well, that see, are going to still need education. My argument with the churches is this. Yeah. If, if every Christian tied like they were supposed to, yep. 
we wouldn't have to have a DSS. Yeah. We wouldn't yeah. have to have a social it's services. True. We wouldn't have to have public education. The churches would be so flush with money, yep. they could provide every service we needed. Yep. But 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 we're all hypocritical. That's why Jesus came. I mean, we're we're all hypocrites, me included. Well, we got the non Christians out there. I mean, in fairness yeah, but, to them, that you know they're going to say, "I don't want a church." You know, involved in anyway. my children. Yeah. Well, right. and this little thing called the Bill of Rights says there's separation of church and yes, state. Right. Yeah, and that, and that, and that, you know, again, that that amendment matters just as much as the Second Amendment yep. matters. Right. And, right. And, and there are non Christian private schools. But I, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't know that. After post COVID, seeing what I've seen, I don't think public education can recover. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I think it can be revamped, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But what we've the lost so many students we to private a, institutions like yours. But we're building more schools constantly. But, but Jimmy, we need to have a summit and funding on, at a higher yeah, level. We need to have ever. summit on education, and we need to say that all labels are outside the door. We need to come in the door. And say that there's no monopoly on ideas. Republican ideas are good. Democratic yep. ideas are good. Let's just fix it. Let's fix this <laughs> right. problem. Right. It is a huge problem. We're going to become a two tier society if we're not careful. Yes, I agree. Where you have you have your professionals, and then you have your service economy. Yep. That I'm is talking not, within ten years. That's because, not going to be good. When these individuals who are in school now they start graduating. There's just going to be a huge, a huge separation there, and we've know. got to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mayor, you know, you've seen it. We, we have. Your, your wife is an outstanding educator, and I bet she laments every night how things are going. I brag on her. I was yep. bragging on her yeah. yesterday. Well, you should brag on every her. school that she's been to, and she's been sent to some high need schools. But every school has improved. Oh, mm-hmm. it has. Uh, I forgot the, the terminology. But what's but, the common denominator there? Your wife. Yeah, and then what's the common denominator in her her passion and compassion Absolutely. for the students and in the in her belief in teachers yeah what she preaches as a principal of each school i've ever been in her and i've been in a lot of her schools she preaches outstanding teaching yeah. over and over it starts in the classroom and ends in the classroom that's right that's mm-hmm. right all the rest doesn't matter and she holds those teachers accountable and it's done the way that it should be done and and uh, you know the test results prove it i know and, and we and we've got to get back to the classroom we've got to put our resources in the in the classroom mm-hmm. and by that i mean attract great people in teaching like the mayor's wife because she's outstanding attract them and keep them there by paying them but yeah. we're not even at the point of retaining so we can't no. No. we can't go get the good ones we're barely holding on well, to what we have and, and not going and i think if we paid for performance yeah. right that would encourage That's the good the ones to stay. Yeah, yeah. as and a Democrat and Republican, what I have to do to get him to agree to pay, to pay more teachers in the classroom go with that is I have to have. But you see, here's where we get at odds. I won't compromise on that. I say no. We just need to pay teachers to be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Right. He gets bad. No says, way. Says, I'm not paying a sorry no, teacher to you yeah, know to, you. Yeah. to ruin a bunch of children yeah. for a year. So what 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 are we going to do here? Sit here for the next ten years and argue with each other right. over? Or are we going to sit down as human beings that care about these students yeah. and say, okay, let's do a hybrid where we pay a base salary, but we have an evaluation committee evaluate and pay bonuses and, and significant bonuses. Yeah. I'm not talking about two thousand dollars. I'm talking about paying a teacher a significant. And it's bonus. based on the, these test scores and the improvements of the students, and the just—I mean, you got to show the results like yeah. any other job. Because I mean, on, on the real, I've known some. Did you just say on the real? On the real. Okay. That's old school, old school I, I, speak. 
On the okay. real. The really real. <laughs> I've known some really great teachers, and I've known some that have just... Oh. It's like some preachers I've met. I'm like, you shouldn't even be in the pulpit. Well, maybe. those are the ones that are punching the clock. Yeah. They're looking yeah. for the benefits, punching yeah. the clock, go if home. We, if we had a mentor program where we paid these older teachers to be mentors to the young ones, and I bet, Mayor, your wife would hardly endorse that. We also need to give these teachers sabbaticals because the, the I remember I taught you BLET, Jimmy. That was a long time ago. The year, the time I taught in a classroom, I came home exhausted. Because you, it requires your full energy and effort. You had a class it. of Jimmys as yeah, well. Yeah, but, <laughs> Believe me. I, but my he, point he is this. My point is this. If we gave teachers sabbaticals at 10, 15, 20 years, right. like yep. a minister, yep. let them catch their breath. Let them, let them improve their skills. But a mentor program, a, a, a I agree sabbatical. with that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. And, agree and, with that. Let me ask this, too, just, and I don't mean to, to divert too far. Is the issue we're seeing in North Carolina, specifically Cumberland County, is this something that is nationwide? Yes. It is, really. Yeah, you now know, there are pockets of excellence everywhere you go. But the, the bottom line is we, we are not investing in the classroom like we need to. Yeah. And, we, and in fairness to the mayor— we are not holding the classroom accountable. Uh, like that's we true. Need to. That's yeah. That's and right. I think the compromise is we pay more, but we expect more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. being on the topic of classroom, can I ask one really touchy question? Sure. Critical race theory. What is that? I, well, that's what we. <laughs> I mean, like I've been know. in. I've been in. The, I've been in the legislature seven years. Now. I just wanted to ask that because we're on this topic, and that has been a hot issue as of late about classroom. Here's the bottom line: when it comes to race. We need to teach. White people were never taught, and a lot of white people are going to be mad when I say this, were never taught in the South about Reconstruction and what actually happened during Reconstruction and the, post, the Civil War post-Reconstruction. We were never taught it. We were just stuck our head in the sand and said, well, we don't do that now. That needs to be taught. I don't care what you call it, what it says. The truth needs to be taught. And the truth is there were some horrible, terrible things done in the in Reconstruction period in the South mm-hmm. and in Nationwide, that needs to be taught. At the same time, not everybody, it's just like, you know, in Germany, they, 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 there was a, a significant group of people that tried to eliminate the, the Jewish race. But that wasn't every German. Right. And so the balance is you, got, you also got to teach that there were good people doing a lot of good things during that same time, too. The key in life is balance. And the key in life is being truthful. And, and, and we, we have ignored certain things. Mayor, you know this, the 6,000-pound elephant in the living room of every city council meeting, of every meeting I've ever been in, is race. Yep. But we won't have the courage to sit down and talk about it. And the most divisive. And there again, just like what we were talking about before, Representative Richardson, it's one of those things where people will not come off their stands yes, to exactly. even consider the other another view. Yeah. And yeah. and that it, well, you, and, and being guilty by fault. Like during, a prime example is voter ID. Oh Lord. I, I We've get, got to have voter ID. I, I, yeah, see, I, <laughs> yeah. We got to have it. But 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 listen My daddy's there's, been dead no, there's hardly any fraud in the election. But but we gotta have. Well, then there's no problem doing but, it. But keep in uh, keep in mind the same reaction you just had. An African American is going to have a visceral reaction, and properly so, because for years they were denied the right to vote based on reading tests that were bogus, 
based on memorizing the entire Constitution and we're, the like. They can get an ID without that. being able to read. I understand that, but what you got Free to of charge is you got to understand the historical context of the visceral reaction to that. Well, I just feel that argument really puts down that community unnecessarily. I know plenty of people from every community that is very capable of getting two miles down the road. I'm not saying it's right. They don't need more than two weeks to get there and they get the ID. But we've got, here's the problem. We won't discuss, we'll discuss the merits of voter ID, but we won't discuss the reasons why there's a visceral reaction to it. And we need to discuss that. We got to have a summit in this community on race and have, and have a legitimate, conversation the way jesus would yeah and, you know, and i say well, that because I, I I've, I've been a part of organizations that have tried to do that you know it's uh, got to be an honest conversation uh, it's got to well, it's got to be honest and open from our side everybody's yeah. side doing that well and that my experience with it is the the, the group of pastors i got with uh, it was a part of an Afri- african-american group you know and i was one of the the caucasian pastors but it was a very one-sided um call it was why, like almost pointing their finger at me, why do your people do this, you know? and But, you, that, but that's a, we have to realize that's, that's the, the feeling of, the, of a significant minority in this country. I, but, I, and we've got to respect that and, and, come, and figure out a way to come to terms with it. At what point does that coin flip? Well, it's, more, it's a two-sided exactly. issue. Because not, they're, they're prejudging just like whites prejudge yep. blacks, blacks prejudge whites. And we've got to stop this. We've got right. to put a stop to it. And the only way I know to do it is what Ms. Gilmore taught us. Put the elephant out in the living room and talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and just have an, an honest conversation about we, it. We, we really need it. It's, it's even most evident when you look at the voter results, you know, that we're divided oh, in every category, yeah, you know, elections, the whole nine. And we shouldn't heart. be. It I wish we weren't. Listen, well, we've only got three minutes left, and I'll come right back to you, Pastor Josh. But I, I do want to recognize North Carolina Representative Billy Richardson joins us. Uh, you've got what seven months seven left? Months left. Seven yeah, months left. Much. So, thank you so much for being here, Pastor Joshua Goodman. Joins us again, uh, Jimmy Henley Jr. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah. So, what I was going to say is, given the discussion on education, and then we bring that tie it together with the racial issues, right? Understanding that there are a few um, of these people groups that are uh, oftentimes. Uh, goodness, uh, grow up in poorer neighborhoods, you know, um, uh, grow up under socioeconomic things. And I believe what we're looking at, because most of those individuals are going to public school. And so the divide will, will only will only get greater. Mayor, whatever we do, whatever you do with this show, preach and emphasize that we've got to have a fundamental change in public education. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And those, and those, I, I agree with that. You have to and, and preach and preach people to vote and preach people to come together. Yes, find common ground and love one another and, and do what do what as a Christian what our Lord says we're supposed to do and that's love our neighbor. Would you agree with me that probably the the single most important elected office is probably the school board? I think they're all important, Mayor. I I, I thought that I thought that at one time. But I think they're all important. I, th- I don't think that there is a single elected office that's not vital. Now, I think we ought to have a metro government in Cumberland County because we're a metro county. I agree. Yeah. But 
I think every office is vital. That and, would never happen. And I think we desperately yeah. need people of character and goodwill to step up. And why are these business people stepping up and running? Right. Billy, real, I'm sorry, Representative Richardson, no, real fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've known you forever, I so I, I, no. I took the privilege. I apologize. No, sir. there's nothing, nothing to apologize about. Vote yes, Fayetteville. Are you a supporter of the, uh, the at-large seats on the Fayetteville City Council? I think the best government is a mixture of at-large. Look at the county commissioners. Right. They mm-hmm. have a mixture of at-large and, and, and individual precincts. I think the solution is that. I think I really believe the compromise. And, again, this is compromise. Yeah. I think we ought to have three or four at-large people because right. you, then you have the perspective of the whole city. Yep. Sure. And then I think that, that – um, that you have, you keep the individual neighborhoods, you know, make them a little bit larger. But I think that's vital that people are able to touch their count, their council and more voices. You, yeah, when yeah. you vote, you can vote for five people now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, assuming that but it I passes think, I think, rather than I really two. think that it's vital that we have both. Yeah. I really do. Last question for Representative Richardson. So, three kids, what do they do? Oh, it's really, well, I'm going to claim four. Four, I got you. My oldest practices law with me. Excellent. And, and he's and, been a guest on this show, by the way. And is a, just an amazing young man, an amazing father, and what, married an incredible young lady that we adore. My my daughter married a West Point graduate yeah. and is up in Richmond, Virginia. has three little girls. And my daughter's just, in, like his daughter, just yeah. in, like the mayor's daughter, just incredible. Uh, my youngest son, Zach, is in California. He left us to the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, my, my my son did too. He's out, he's in film out in, and he's about he's getting married September night. Oh, so we're great. really oh, excited good. about that. Congratulations! And then, and then the young man that showed up our doorstep, I want to brag on him. He became a straight A student. Went to, made the dean's list at St. Pete's and yep. played football and ran track there. Got his master's in IT and is now vice president of AIT in Charlotte. Wow, oh, wow. that's wow. awesome! Yeah. Excellent. That is awesome. Yeah, and and, and, and he's a yeah. You know, He's just a marvelous human being. Well, thank you again for joining us, what Representative North Carolina, been, Representative yeah. Billy Richardson. So God bless y'all. Enjoy. Thank you. And thank, thank you. you for doing this show. It's so important that, that the public be educated. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Also, in at the cabinet. The, on the, <laughs> on around. <laughs> yeah. Pastor Joshua Goodman. Thank you, sir, for thank joining you. us. Thank and you. Mr. Jimmy Henley, Jr. Always. Thanks again for joining the Carolina Cabinet. A special thanks to our guest, Representative Billy Richardson, and the Cabinet members. Please do us a favor. Take time today to visit one of our commercial sponsors and let them know that you heard their message on the Carolina Cabinet. If you missed an episode, find the replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast broadcaster. Please feel free to send us a message, like, follow, or share us on your favorite social media outlet. We are at the, the Carolina, Carolina Cabinet. Cabinet. So until next time, we, the bell for that. we appreciate you being here. Yeah.